So it's not very often the lectionary in the lectionary that we read, at least the Eucharistic lectionary, that we read the Ten Commandments. So I thought it might be an opportunity for a little Ten Commandments 101 <laughs> to talk about them. You know, it's a question for a lot of people, I, I think, these days as to whether or not they have any utility uh, in 2014. And uh, I thought I'd say a little bit about their origins and uh, their relationship to other uh, codes uh, in the ancient Near East around the same time. And then to say some things about how Christians have understood the Ten Commandments and have used the Ten Commandments over time. And then perhaps to suggest to us that um, the things that um, the now sh thou shalt nots uh, that are described are um, not out of fashion in 2014. There's no shortage of these behaviors. <laughs> and hasn't been for a long, for a long time. Uh, the Ten Commandments appear more than one place in the Hebrew Bible. The most famous location is the one we re read today from Exodus 20, but in Deuteronomy there's also a, a list of uh, Ten Commandments there, Deuteronomy 5, verses 7 through 21. Uh, there are different, slight differences between those two uh, accounts of the Ten Commandments. Also, Christian people, in their uh, ordering of the commandments, they all get to ten. But, for example, Roman Catholics and Lutherans collapse some uh, commandments into one and then break some apart to get to ten. And uh, Anglicans, Reformed Christians, and the Eastern Orthodox uh, do a, a different scheme. But you still get to ten. I mention this to you because you may run into some Bibles, uh, translations, English translations that have different ordering, or if you read the, the catechisms or the statements um, from, say, the Presbyterian Church USA, and they say, what are the Ten Commandments? And then they list the Ten Commandments. Uh, it may be a different list than if you look at the Roman Catholic Catechism uh, of the Catholic Church and see what that is. So it's just, there are just differences in that regard uh, with, with it. So if you run into it, don't, don't worry about it. Ours is the correct one, though, isn't it? Well, <laughs> ours is the correct one? Yeah. Well, I was going to get to that, but you shocked me. Uh, the tradition with a capital T has said that uh, Moses wrote the Ten Commandments. And uh, for a long time, certainly after critical biblical scholarship uh, rose to the surface, uh, that was uh, considered controversial, although in my pre preparation for this sermon, I discovered that in the serious biblical scholarly world, there's a, been a return to the possibility of certain aspects of the Ten Commandments having mosaic authorship. So that's interesting. Just stay tuned uh, for that and see what, what emerges from that. Um, the Ten Commandments are not unlike uh, other codes in the ancient Near East. You know, the, the people of Israel lived around, for example, the Hittites. The Hittites had 
uh, codes of conduct and holiness codes and all of these things. So there's some similarities. The, the, the difference, the uniqueness of the Ten Commandments uh, w would be this. If you read one of the Hittite codes, and there are, you can get English translations of them, my Old Testament professor used to write Hittite on the blackboard. So he would write this stuff, and you were just like, and he'd keep writing and keep writing and he'd keep writing. And then he'd look at the class and he'd say, of course, I believe this is a folk etymology right here. And we said, Father Hunt, whatever you say about that, we think it sounds reasonable to me, right? Little stuff, little thing like this, you know. There it is. Uh, the difference would be uh, this. If you do this, these are the, this is the consequences for doing it. That can be understood both affirmatively and negatively. So if you do what uh, God commands or the gods command, uh, this is the consequence. If you do what you shouldn't do, these are the consequences. The, the Ten Commandments say, thou shall or thou shalt not. So when somebody kids and says the Ten Commandments are not the Ten Suggestions, they're right. <laughs> It's sort of like being on a train in Italy, and there'll be a sign on, in the train that will say something like, uh, leaning out of the train when the train is moving is, is dangerous. It's probably not a good idea. If you ride a train in Germany, the sign says, leaning out the window while the train is moving is forbidden. So there is a different mindset at work in this, in this way. When I, always, when I preach on the story of Abraham and Isaac, uh, I say it's a great, one of the great examples in the Bible of how God works through the manners, morals, and customs of people. So when we think about social changes and uh, changes in, in uh, the behavior of cultures over time, it, it has to do with how it works through the people. And what this means is, is that when Abraham didn't sacrifice his son, God said, you don't need to sacrifice Isaac. I always imagine, and you've heard me say this, a scene that is not described in the Bible. And that scene is when Abraham comes down the mountain with Isaac, what do all of his associates say in the, in the tents, right? Geez, Abraham, I see you still have Isaac with you, right? Yes. Well, how come? Well, because God t said to me, we'd, I, I don't need to do that. And besides, you know, uh, what kind of a God would require us to kill our firstborn sons? It doesn't make any sense. Well, the, that, that's as maybe, but you, uh, if you don't do this, we're all going to suffer. The crops won't come up. The lambs won't fall or whatever, drop. The, 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 it's a mess. So you might as well, he said, well, I'm not going to do it. This is the thing. Now, here's the deal. Arch biblical archaeologists have found over the last 40 or 50 years the graves of these little boys. And they date to a period uh, where we would place Abraham chronologically in history. 
So Canaanite religion, of which he was a part, changed its practice. There was a cultural shift in the way in which people did things. And that's sort of the way it works. And the Ten Commandments, in some way, uh, have something to do with uh, how moral principles now become embedded in a culture in a particular way. By the time, uh, I should say this in advance, the Ten Commandments in the Hebrew Bible cannot be read apart from understanding Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. So what that means is that uh, we always must understand that Jesus represents the new law. The law of love being the operative principle in the way human beings interact with one another. So what is said there is uh, from, by Matthew, who we're reading through in this cycle. Uh, Matthew believed that Jesus was the Torah, the new Torah, the new law. So it doesn't mean that the Ten Commandments don't have any use. It means that they need to be read and understood in light of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, they deal, and Jesus deals with what the Ten Commandments deal with, our duty to God and our duty to one another. So four have to do with our duty to God and six have to do with our duty to one another as human beings and how we should understand that. So the Ten Commandments have some utility. By the time of St. Augustine in the 400s, he began to regularly incorporate the Ten Commandments in his theological writing and in his catechesis and in all the things uh, that he did. And uh, so it's there. And then, fast-forwarding through Christianity, the Ten Commandments now have a place. The 1928 Book of Common Prayer, which was the official prayer book before the present prayer book uh, in 1979, had in the catechism, uh, the entire focus was on the Ten Commandments and being obedient to the Ten Commandments and how you understood the Ten Commandments. So the question and answer in the, in the catechism in the Book of Common Prayer 1928 was all about the Ten Commandments. Now, the uh, Catechism doesn't talk about the Ten Commandments uh, in the as the centerpiece, but it lists them and describes what they're there for and what they mean. But it doesn't have quite the same uh, centrality that it did before. Now, what I also want to say about this is that the Ten Commandments is not a very complete list in terms of conduct, right? You know? If people, if people were to operate just by the Ten Commandments, uh, you, you still, uh, there's nothing in there about hardness of heart. There's nothing there about looking at your own worldview and understanding it to be superior to others. There's nothing in there about gossip. So when you talk about... Uh, Let's see here. I, I, I made something of a list. Um, you know, murder, stealing, adultery, lying. You know, most people think that, at least in my pastoral minute, if they haven't committed adultery, if they hadn't, haven't stolen anything from anybody, and if they haven't murdered anybody, they're in the clear. <laughs> you know, they're, they're completely in the clear. 
so they, they can't understand what, what all the fuss is about. You know, I'm from the Catholic side of the Episcopal Church, and, and uh, you know, we hear confessions here, or people make their confessions and so forth. And I've had actually had people in classes say things to me. I, I wouldn't know. It's not that I don't know how to make a confession, but I don't know what I can, can, should confess. I haven't done anything. You know, I haven't done anything. What, what, what should I say? Well, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't robbed anybody. I haven't cursed God. So I'm in the clear. So the Ten Commandments do cover certain behaviors that uh, need to continuously be revisited. But uh, when we say, uh, thou shalt be no other gods before me, you can't just think of that as uh, a, a direction to a group of nomads in the Sinai Desert, right? So when we have, speaking of the false gods of money, power, prestige, success, and Perhaps worst of all, the overweening self-confidence in our own outlook. I came from an upper-middle-class family who believed that everybody should want to be like us, and they could not, and, and they did not understand, could not understand why they wouldn't be. They could not understand that it was baffling to them. Because, as my grandmother would have said, if everybody tended to their own knitting, the world would be a better place. She did a lot of knitting. <laughs> I mean a lot of knitting. You know, domestic skills, you know, household management. All of those kinds of things were part of the deal. So... Having confidence in your worldview is not a bad thing. Having confidence about uh, the way in which you, you, the gratitude you have for the, what your parents have given you in terms of the ability to do many things. But when you stop to think about it, the Ten Commandments actually have something to say about that. One of the commentaries that I read uh, when I prepared this sermon uh, the commentator said, God has given us the Ten Commandments not to burden us with oppressive rules and laws in order to earn God's love, but as a sure way to demonstrate our gratefulness for the God who has already chosen, loved, and saved us. So I suggest that you take a peek at the Ten Commandments this week and see how it goes. Amen. Amen. Amen.